This week's podcast brought to you by Fleeces. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, we're here in our beautiful suite at the Mohegan Sun Arena with our lovely ball and chain guests, Holly Rowe and Ryan Rucco, my two uh, broadcasting partners for the WNBA. And the playoffs are here. Second round of playoffs are here. Lots of good stories to tell. I feel like the playoffs, though, are they, they're totally eclipsed by what a huge experience this is for us just getting to be on the Ball and Chain podcast. Well, I have a little book <laughs> yeah. to pick because when I was on the Ball and Chain podcast previously, I was in basement. Right. And now you've got Ryan in like a penthouse suite with a fireplace and jacuzzi and something else. That I we mean, found out the only reason we got this nice room was because Holly Rowe pitched a fit earlier for something. And uh, and so we are the beneficiaries of it. But well, Okay, then I guess I won't be mad. But we uh, we still let Steve be here. It's weird. It's Instead of our three-person booth, there's like a fourth. I, I feel like uh, like I'm trying to crash Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'm a, I'm a fourth <laughs> element that's unnecessary. So you've got Earth, Wind, and Fire and, you know, natural and gas. And stone. Earth, Wind, and Fire and stone. Right. What would you yes, be? I'd be... Uh, I'd be uh, petroleum (laughs) water earth wind fire water no you may have to name this episode earth wind fire petroleum (laughs) i think it should be that might be a little long and the result of fracking i think so (laughs) but But we're uh, on the 25th floor of this hotel uh it's it's like a 19 room suite and in an hour i'll be leaving to go back home to the four kids and you'll be and uh, in two hours i'll be leaving to go to the game and then immediately after that we'll be going home so this beautiful room is going to get no use. Maybe I should stay here and you go home to the kids and uh, I relax. Uh, so if work. you're in the area and yeah. you want <laughs> I think we should find you guys a babysitter. You should yeah. have a, a date night. That's yeah. my vote. Are you offering? I, I could... No. Holly <laughs> <laughs> spent too much time around our kids. No, I love her children. So this, this podcast will come out uh, tomorrow, the day after we've done the Connecticut Sun and Phoenix Mercury game. So obviously everyone will know who has won that game except for us when they listen to this. Mm. Um, but... You know, our chance once again to, to tell some great stories and to cover Diana Taurasi. Holly, you've been co- covering Diana since her days at UConn. You know, what's your favorite, what's kind of your favorite memory or favorite Diana Taurasi story? They just keep happening. It's so hard to pinpoint them because one of my favorite things is um, someone just asked her, you know, if Gina would be at this game. And if so, where would he be sitting? And she's like, he'll be sitting behind me because I carried him through the 2000s. And he knows it. And so (laughs) just every time she opens her mouth, it's another great quote. But, um, you know, I was watching something recently on YouTube and this other video came up on the side. So I clicked on it. It was an old interview Gino had done back when Diana was still playing. And he just talked about how when she came in, she was the most talented player on the floor and she knew it. And so early in her, you know, nobody practices harder in the country than Yukon women. And early in her days, she wasn't doing defensive work like she needed to. And she didn't think she needed to because she was that good. And and so he had her sit out. And he said it never happened again. She got the message very early on. But, you know, Gino Oriema holding Diana Tarazi accountable 
and all that has led to of teaching her how to work hard. And now here she is at 36 years old, has transformed her body, has had one of the best seasons she's ever had in, in her whole career at 36 years old is playing better than she ever has maybe. That's saying something. Yeah, it's remarkable. So thank you, Gino, for holding her to a high standard that she has now learned how to hold herself to from those years on. Well, one of my favorite interactions, Ryan, this morning, we're at Shoot Run and we're talking to Diana. And if you could retell, you know, what, what you said to her in her response. We were talking, I'm guessing you're talking about the perfect record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're talking about her perfect record with, at the time of uh, your listeners consuming this may still be perfect or <laughs> may now have one loss. But 12-0 and 0 leading into the game against Connecticut in single elimination games or, you know, winner-take-all games, right? Which is just ridiculous. I mean, absurd. So, you know, we present her with that stat, and she's like, well, that's pretty good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, you, you know, I, I always think it's nice when stars do allow themselves to, you know, acknowledge and appreciate the amazing feats that they accomplish. Because even if she makes it look easy, which she does, it's still ridiculous when you're facing peak competition on, you know, the biggest stage with the grandest, uh, you know, stakes and you can deliver as often as she does. And I like, she has kind of like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, when I look at her, I'm just like, She's like the pilot you'd want in a storm, you know, where she's like, yeah. she's got this. Totally. Like, right? It's like we've talked about the pilots who have the southern accent and the calm demeanor, and you're going to feel a few bumps, you know, <laughs> and, and you're, you're nose diving, but you feel calm because they've got that Chuck Yeager voice and air of calm, and, and she definitely has that. Well, it, it was funny, too, because we were talking to her about being in this moment, and uh and she doesn't get nervous anymore. She said, you know, there was a time when she used to, and she used the example of, you know, when you're on the bench after going 0 for 15 and 0 for 15 and crying, tears coming down your face, re- referring to the national championship game her freshman year when, when they were up big on Notre Dame at the half and then came back and ended up losing. And um, But not anymore. She's like, you know, who are you? Why are you doing that? You should be out there having fun. And she clearly is the one who's out there having fun and not nervous in these moments. So we expect something big well she even said that she learned in those moments when you're in a big moment and you play tight it doesn't work she said you have to have fun playing basketball and that's how she you know there's this looseness about her i call it the big swagoo whatever that is she's got a swaggy (laughs) you know just loose attitude segueing from one of the all-time greats of the WNBA to another we just had to send off I just that, yeah. that was funny. You see, Holly just, just yanked the in. mic right to right. her. She's like, no, 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 it's my show. Because yeah. yeah. the this. two of you are sharing a mic. We are sharing Sorry. a mic. I don't, know oh, right. I don't know anything about TV broadcasting, but isn't the first rule of particularly sideline reporting, don't give up the mic. Right, I think that's right. what I just did there. Yes. I apologize, right? Yes. Oh, it's all good. Totally owning that. But, uh, Commandeered it. We said goodbye. We did, we did Lindsay Whalen's final uh, final game. And Ryan, we were talking a little bit yeah. this morning about this and, you know, what kind of your memories of covering her? It Actually, like I was thinking about it, it made me sad because I, I mean, I love Lindsay as a gritty competitor who just obviously, well, first of all, statistically did more winning than any player in WNBA history, but just like embodies what you think of with the champion. And Cheryl Reeve used to always tell us she would be able to give her team whatever it needed when it needed it, right? And I even think about last year in game five where it was like, you know, she wasn't scoring for most of that series. Or you could go to game four. Her team needed a little injection of life and to be fired up, and she puts a hard foul on Odyssey Sims. Totally changes game four. They end up winning that game. Game five, 
they needed offense from her. She hits big shots. You know, she just she has a knack for that. And uh, and I was thinking back to like the first year I did the finals with you guys, and that was when Minnesota swept Atlanta, and just the the wizardry of her, like the incredible passes, and how we compared the way Minnesota ran offensively to. The Spurs at the time with their ball movement, their unselfish play. And Lindsay really started that and she added some pizzazz to it. So like I think obviously she got a little bit, you know, slower in the later years and was a little bit craftier maybe in her, you know, last couple of years. And so that champion grit had to take on an even larger role. But I also remember, you know, just how much of an incredible orchestrator she was and how creative she could be on the floor in addition to just the guiding hand. One of my favorite Lindsay memories was right before you came was their first championship run and Terry Gannon was still the play-by-play and they were I think this was when it was best of three maybe but it was the 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 deciding game and we're sitting down with Lindsay you know two hours before the game or whatever it was and and Terry said um, I bet you 10 bucks or he said I think he said I'm gonna make Lindsay Whalen cry in this interview and I said there's no chance you're gonna make Lindsay Whalen cry and he said I'll bet you 10 bucks I make Lindsay Whalen cry he said I'm gonna bring up the twins and the Vikings and all these Minnesota sports teams that haven't won championships in a really long time she's from there and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to her about and get this from her so I'm sitting in there with him and he's asking the questions and Lindsay's just being Lindsay. Like there's no chance she's going to cry. And he's digging deep into the well. And finally, when the interview's over and she gets up and walks out of the room, Terry just drops $10 on the floor (laughs) for me because uh, even though as long as we've been covering them, he did not realize that. And and even through all of this stuff in her chin, in the ceremony they did for her at Target Center, not, not even not cry. She did the opposite. She was making the entire arena laugh. There were no tears at all. Forget about no crying in baseball. There's no crying in Minnesota. Minnesotans, our tear ducts have been removed at birth, basically. I was born cookies. There, so I didn't cry. So. I, I think she is a tough cookie. Do you guys remember, like, if we really went back and looked at all of her finals performances, she had some kind of significant injury. So one year we found out that she'd played the entire finals when they won at Atlanta. They swept Atlanta with a broken hand and then basically broken wrist. She'd basically hidden it the whole series, playing, handling the ball, defending with a broken wrist, um, an Achilles sprain. You know, every year there was something, she had a broken foot at one point, I think a broken toe. So she she was one tough cookie in many ways. And it's also like an emotional, uh, you know, Bud Grant when the Vikings played the Seahawks in the playoffs a couple of years ago at TCF Bank Stadium outdoors and it was nine below or whatever, they, Bud Grant came out before the game in short sleeves. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, it's Crazy. just a, sort of a, a Minnesota thing. And, and when uh, I had a story in Lindsay this spring, and she had just picked up her dealer car, this, um, uh, I want to get it right, Mercedes SUV. We got into the car in the, the practice facility, and she was quick to say, while she's trying to figure out again how to turn on the ignition in this thing, I've never driven a car this nice, you know, it's, it's a dealer car. Like, you know, it's a very Minnesota thing to apologize for any appearance of <laughs> having, you know, been successful or whatever it is. This Don't is judge how, me for the nice car. This is exactly. how we can tell Ryan is not from Minnesota. If people listening to the pod can hit jewel, hear jewelry hitting the table, That's, it's not Holly yeah. or my jewelry. It's no. Ryan's um, blinged out diamond bracelet. Yeah. Beautiful diamond bracelet that he wears that's um, clinking on the glass top I figured table. it fit in with the, the baller suite that you and Steve have. Yeah, so, right. Uh, 
Di- yeah. Diamond bracelet makes me think, just on a tangent here, so I can bring something to the table other than the table, which I set <laughs> up here. Uh, um, diamond to shields. And I, I'm wondering, as broadcasters, and, and, and Ryan, you know, in your Yankee broadcast too, in baseball or basketball, do you have a favorite name? You know, I remember asking Vin oh. Scully this, another Fordham uh, product. Uh, you know, th- these names that roll off the tongue, and Diamond to Shields, of course, is one of them. Chris uh, Fa'amatu Ma'afala. Oh, wow. Say it again, please. Chris Ma'afatu Fa'amala. Oh, no, I just screwed it up that time. <laughs> I said it right the first time. He was the running back of for course. the University of Utah. Yep. That's good. My, mine is uh, Giannis Adetokounmpo. Oh, that's... Because I... Like You've I, actually posted on Instagram you a whole explanation. Say, yeah, so people will just say Giannis or the Greek freak or yeah. something because they're afraid to embrace fully. They're exactly. not sure. Keep it's it's the story though. And so, and I've so my good friend is Spiro Didis, who is Greek, um, and he. And I'm gonna try not to bang the bracelet, uh, but <laughs> and he when when Giannis first came into the league, and I had I had a Bucks game sometime, you know, early on in his rookie year, and I saw I talked to Spiro. He's like, "This is how you say it." I was like. Okay, you know, like, you know, this is different than what they say in the pronunciation guide or what that he's like, I'm telling you. And then I found a YouTube video from like Media Day, Giannis's rookie year, and sure enough, this is how he says it. So then I'll give you this and then go back and tell you my conversation with him this year. Last season, he does a Nike commercial and he says his last name the way you would think it was said. He was like, uh, he was like, onto the Kunpo. And I was like, what is going on here? This is not what Spiro told me. This is not how Giannis said it his rookie year. So this year, I I had a Milwaukee game very early in the season for ESPN, and he sat down with us, and I was like, all right, I want you to do this into the camera so we have it once and for all. How do you say your last name and give us like the explanation? And he ended up giving two different versions. And he said... It's a Nigerian name. Obviously, you can tell it's not a Greek name, right? So it's a Nigerian name, and the Nigerian way to say it is Adetokumbo because the NT makes the D sound, and the MP at the end makes the B sound, right? So that's why it's not Po, but but Bo, like Adetokumbo. But... Matata, Akumba, Matata. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But in... But... In Greece, they would say, like, you would just say, like, Antetokounmpo. So kind of like my last name, right? Like, my last name is Ruko. But if in Italy, it's Rocco, you know? It, so it's sort of like that. So so I say Adetokounmpo because that's the Nigerian way. That's the way he said in the very beginning. The and name he, of origin. And he says he literally has no preference to the two. He accepts both of them equally. And he said he himself even says it both ways. <laughs> he alternates between those two and then, ways. Of course, there's a third way when he gets to Milwaukee, where because people can't say it, say it either way. Right, so right, it exactly. Thing, and nobody yeah. says it the same way twice. Well, we've had this happen to us in WNBA telecasts, where people hit us on Twitter and say to you or me, Rai, um, you're pr- mispronouncing that name, right? And and we'll say no because Holly went over and got video tape. Yeah. So explain if there's. So a I've tape. started beca- because here's what's happened is this happens in college a lot. Kids their freshman year come in, the sports information person or whomever asks how they say their name and they don't they don't correct them if anybody's saying it wrong. So kids will often go by the wrong name until they get older and are like, no, it's really this way. So I've just started videotaping it. They're very their freshman year as soon as they get to campus if there's a difficult name so this was great when elizabeth cambage came back c-a-m-b-a-g-e it looks like cambage and people on twitter were just killing us that we said cambage and so i 
was like, absolutely not. We drafted her, you know, when she was drafted, I had her on video and it's oftentimes the accent. So an Australian accent instead of cambage, it's cambage. Mm-hmm. So it's just, and accents you did that can with mess Demiris us up. too. Yeah, Demiris Dantas. Dantas yeah. yeah. Yep, but, exactly. And yeah. I remember people being like, you're saying your name wrong, whatever. It's no, like, who was the other one? There was another one for Phoenix yeah. that was so hard. Um, oh. Spanish team, uh, Spanish national team, little guard, dark hair. Ah. ah, no, I know who you're thinking of. Um, but we go and ask the players. It's right. like, you know, we... But this you is our job. Play by play like, that that player doesn't know how to pronounce mm-hmm. their own name. Right, right. Wrong, yeah. exactly. We did this with uh, uh, Marcin Gortat uh, a couple right. of years ago because all the home announcer for them calls him Gortat, and they changed the pronunciation guide to Gortat. This dude's been Gortat for a long time. Like, so I'm like, what's going on here? So potato we, Gortato. Well, so what it is is it's the way he says it with his accent. Right. It ends up sounding like Gortat, but he but he was like, but it's Gortat. It's just the way I say it. So I'm like, okay. You know, like, but we ask these people. We don't just, like, get on the air and just say a random pronunciation. Well, I've been wondering all for two years now why you guys have been colluding with the Russians. Right. R-U-S-H-I-N. I get Russian all the time. You get Russian all the time. Ruskin, there's not a K in there. But you should see the looks I get, because if I'm out at a playground, for example, or if I'm somewhere with the kids and it's time for us all to leave, often I'll say, all right, Russians, it's time to go. And the looks that people will give me, like, uh, as if I, you know, have four adopted children from Russia and I, I have I dare to call that, them yes. the Russians. Right. But yeah, I'll say, all right, Russians, time to go. And, yeah, I'll get some interesting looks but, from uh, people. Particularly in that. baseball, it used to be that, uh, especially Latin players, their names would be mispronounced or badly pronounced for years before, uh, you know, somebody would say this. You know, obviously, if you're a rookie baseball player, you're not – often telling broadcasters, you know, you're mispronouncing my name. Or, or guys will, right. you know, come 10 years later and, and finally you get the proper pronunciation of the, the name. Even um, like Mike Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton was Mike Stanton for right. the first, and then he became Giancarlo. And, and it has that kind of, you have to rewrap your head around it. Like when John Mellencamp was Johnny Cougar, then he was John Cougar Mellencamp. Then it's just Mellencamp. like Puff Daddy, P. Diddy. Puff, who, Puffy P. Did that. was Meta World Peace before he was Meta. Run our test. Run our test. There you go. Yeah. It, no, and but the and the weird thing is, like, for the most part, when you ask players, too, they'll be like, oh, you could say it however you want. And it's like, no, no, I want to say it right. correctly. I always you know? ask them, yeah. how does your, what does your mother call that's you? That's the way to do it. That's what I want to know. That's the way to ask it. Yeah. I, I would say that's probably a way you get a clearer answer. We've talked about this, but Holly, you and I, when we flew to L.A. on our most recent trip, we when we walked to the car, there was somebody there it's, with with. Can giant, I tell this story? Yes. So it's always very stressful to try to get your Lyft or your Uber at L.A. because there's 100 people waiting and there's all these lanes of traffic and you've got to hurry and get out and get your stuff into the back before people are honking and yelling at you. So I'm all stressed out and I'm getting to the Lyft and you're no, I turn around and you're nowhere to be found. And I say to the guy... I've lost my very tall friend. Do you see her? Because I'm like, how could Rebecca Lobo disappear at the curb at LAX? But sure enough, you've disappeared. And when I find you, it's because you have been stopped by an autograph seeker who has a 22 by 22 blown up photograph of you that he's asking you to sign on the curb at LAX. How did he know you'd be there? We have no idea. He also had a giant picture of you. Which um, is even more surprising. It was, it was sort of life-size, Were those actually. pictures of you guys wearing what you were wearing there? Had he taken them? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, went to a printer. So, uh, Ryan, especially with your 
not only what experiences have you had with people with giant photos, but also <laughs> when you travel with the Yankees, like what's kind of some of the craziest thing, weird fan stalkerish things that you've seen? I'll tell you. Now, when we travel with the Yankees. Fans are always lined up at the hotels, you know, waiting for autographs. And then our security does a great job. And our players do a great job of taking care of the kids. You know, I think they're probably less apt to sign seven autographs for the same middle-aged male who's clearly just using them to, you know, do something economically. As I've discovered. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Steve has a room full of Rebecca Lobo autographs. Yankee security is all over me. (laughs) No, but so like that is, and you know, a lot of the guys will say like, hey, I'll always stop for kids, you know. But one thing I, from my own experience, what I like is like when I walk down streets in New York, usually it's people who just want to like, they don't they just want to like kind of talk sports you know what i mean yeah. and that's one difference being like a broadcaster versus an athlete right like they kind of want to like know your opinion on on something but they don't really care about your autograph necessarily you know what i mean there's not the same value in an autograph but it's like a oh yo where should glaber torres be hitting in the yankee lineup something like that but the craziest very one random player for you to just choose right i know now. well you know he would have been rookie of the year already not like Started struggling after his DL stint. Yes, I know. Are you willing to break this down on the subway (laughs) or after leaving the stadium after four hours? If I'm leaving, yeah. If if sometimes if I'm on the like subway, I feel a little uncomfortable doing that. You know what I mean. But if it's like a random walk by in the city, I I like to just like have a brief interaction, talking Yankee baseball or whatever or, or NBA stuff. That I can do. But the weirdest fan thing I've ever seen was actually I don't know how this happened. The old Yankee Stadium. Somehow, this woman, who was probably like, I don't know, I want to say mid-30 or something like that, finagled her way up to the booth. This wasn't to see me. This was like 2008, so I was still a senior in college. Was the biggest David Cohn fan. And we're in the middle of, of, of broadcasting. It's like literally David and them were on air. And all of a sudden, this fan comes screaming into the booth, running down the stairs, like, David, I love you, David, I love you, I love you, David, you're my God. And, so, and like, grabs him, grabs him while he's on the air, like, screaming, and so you can hear in the background on the microphone, just like a, like, the way you would picture a crazy fan when the Beatles are walking by, you know, right. and like, oh my gosh, ah! like, screaming like that. She should and at least be cool about it if she was... Works her way yeah. up there. Act like you belong there. Right, exactly. Somehow, somehow she got in there, literally dead sprint, boom, down the steps, right like onto David, like screaming his name. You can hear it on the broadcast, whatever. Everyone's like, where'd this woman come from? Whatever. And and I, I don't even know how he escorted her out of the booth. But I think David, like, you know, probably knowing David, he probably ended up making a joke like, oh, yeah, was she attractive? You know, so, <laughs> something along those well, lines. You well, and Ryan and Holly were doing the game in L.A. Just uh, a couple the, of nights just ago. Just the other night. We're, we're in the middle of the telecast, and all of a sudden, it wasn't a timeout. The game was going on. A guy comes up behind me, starts talking to me, and he, trying to hand me a paper. And I'm, I was in the middle of talking, so I just kind of put my hand up, and Annika, our stage manager, grabbed the piece of paper, put it down. Anyway... On a piece of paper, it said, the plural of fleece is fleeces. Because, Ryan, what is this? How many years have we been doing uh, this now this is together? Our sixth, this is our sixth our finals s- together, our, sixth our, playoffs. Our sixth year together. crazy how quick it's it goes? Fast. So oh I think God. probably year one or year two, yeah. that we would always read a promo about, you know, go to the NBA store and buy a fleece. And we make a joke, what's the plural of fleece? It's fleeces and whatever. And so we brought that, but we resurrected yeah. that uh, the other day. It and had been guy, dead a while. It had been dead a long time. 
But how a guy in the arena possibly could have heard that, but then like made sure to bother <laughs> us during the Find a piece of paper and write it down. Yeah, in the and middle write of the, game. the plural. It might have been on his ticket stub. Actually. But now we know. Now, yeah. but now we know. It was almost the urgency he had. To drop this piece of information, it was mm-hmm. almost like you were a newscaster like and had to find out whether or not this dignitary was alive this or dead. This just did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, well, that's the other funny thing about TV and kind of the power of TV is in that same telecast, um, I was talking about I really liked the new Nike WNBA gear. And you said that's what the kids call dope. dope. Yeah. And so, so we laughed about it. And so, you know. A little bit later, after a couple commercial breaks, I said something, Ryan, was that dope? So anyway, I get a text from Chris Daly, my my former coach at UConn, and she just texted and said, did I hear right? Did you use the word dope in a telecast? <laughs> I said, yes, but it was a joke. How people can lose She missed the years context. of setup and irony and just thought <laughs> yeah. you were sad. Right, she, she didn't take it back to you know, six years ago yeah. when we were talking about fleeces. It's but funny. I also, almost, Ryan, can you confirm that kids don't say dope? Yeah, is that, this I don't is know. Do I think they? it's on its way out. I, I, like feel like dope maybe. I feel like my friends and I still say it, but like. <laughs> that's dope. That's confirming. I know, but I judge you yeah. for it because I'm like, I think dope's out. Because now I'm 31, so I'm like moving into adulthood. I don't know if I'm there yet. <laughs> it used it, it morphed into lit, but then Donald Trump Jr. tweeted about something being lit and I saw the greatest tweet. It said, um, you know, September 5th, 2018, lit officially died after Donald <laughs> Trump Jr. <laughs> used it in a tweet. Definitely so I think it. we went from dope to lit. I don't know what's What next. is it now? I don't know. I think we're, we're at the wrong table to be. And, yeah. and our audience demographic is not going to be able to tell us. Either. It used to be cool. Our, our, our audience is lit, but that, that means they've had their fifth Stolichnaya at, uh, <laughs> at the cocktail. It all seems to revolve around drug language, though. Maybe it's, maybe it's some But I'll use it all oh, like he was pretty lit, like, you know, he was drunk. I, right. I'll, I'll mm. use it in that context. Sure, of course. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, that was lit. Like, what an experience. Like, this game tonight. I have a feeling it's going to be lit. I agree. This yeah. is going to be – what, what's, what's your favorite story um, that has to do with the Connecticut Sun? And a Connecticut Sun player. I have a good one. So the WNBA's sixth woman of the year, John Quilg Jones, actually grew up playing soccer and was on her national soccer team, junior national soccer team at home in the Bahamas. And, you know, you see her play at 6'6", and she can stretch out, hit a three, really good footwork. And I like to think it's because of playing at a high level on her soccer team as a young person. I mean, the junior national team as a soccer player at her size is significant. Yeah. So I might drop that in the broadcast tonight. And was she not a – was she a goalie? Or she was a – she played – I don't – Yeah. I'll have to check with that, yeah, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know that. Yeah. One of the things I like is um, when we go into a telecast, often we know all the, the, the stories that we want to tell. But the, especially working with Holly, um, we'll go in and they'll say, all right, send it down to Holly. And then I'll, Holly will tell a story that neither Ryan, neither no you idea. nor I have ever heard. We had no idea about any of this stuff. And it's one of the beauties of you, Holly Rowe, is all these stories that you have in your giant bag of tricks. So you tell them while ducking the rotor wash of a helicopter that's that's right. flying over yeah. <laughs> Um, I do have a good um, Holly Rowe minute for this podcast, if I could do that. Well, let's save it for the end. Save it for the end? Oh, but it's a Steve Majerus Marquette story, so I wanted to Steve for... You don't tell Holly Rowe when she can do a Holly Rowe minute. (laughs) Okay, so this is the Holly Rowe minute. And now, a report on the news of Holly Rowe. And Holly Rowe, let's go down and check with you. Brought to you by... Holly Rowe. (laughs) So when I was in college, Rick Majerus was the coach at the University of Utah. And I took a coaching basketball class 
which I got an A from Rick Majerus. Learned how to do scouting reports, he game plans. The, yep, he was teaching a class. Cool. So he liked me, and I made a good impression on him. So years later, when I got out of college, he wrote a really nice letter of recommendation for me that helped get me a CBS sports internship in New York City. So I really credit him with being there and kind of helping me because everybody loved him in the national media, and they would say, oh, if you're a Majerus girl, you're good with us. So he really had an impact on my career and my life. So when I got back from my internship in New York City, I went and picked him up at his hotel because he didn't live in a home. He lived in a hotel and took him out to dinner as kind of like a thank you. So when I arrived at the hotel, he said, could you do up my shoes? Because he couldn't, you know, he was a portly man and he couldn't bend down and do up his Tiva sandals. So I knelt down and did up his shoes. <laughs> and then later in the evening, in the evening, we were driving out of this parking lot and he's like stop the car stop the car and he had to jump out and go urinate behind a pillar because it was just taking us too long to get out of this parking lot so a brilliant mind a wonderful man and he was wonderful to my career but not so elegant in a social setting <laughs> that's a great have holly romance have i ruined no, your thoughts I, of Rick I, I, on the contrary he was the coach at marquette when i was a freshman and sophomore at marquette so my first two years at marquette he was the coach marquette had won the national championship in 1977 with al mcguire then he retired immediately after that game, and and Hank Raymonds, his number one assistant, took over. And then when Raymonds retired, Majerus, who had been the number two assistant, took over. So they were just going down the bench, and each coach was getting a little farther from Marquette's greatness, not necessarily through their own doing, but it was just what was happening in college basketball. And so when when I was at Marquette, Majerus wore a suit and tie. Nobody remembers this era. It was a very short one. He wore a suit and tie. He wasn't funny, at least not publicly. He wasn't a, a you know jocular personality in the media. And I would see him, like that Edward Hopper diner painting, I would see him lit in the Cousin Submarine Sandwich Shop on Wisconsin Avenue, just uh, west of campus, like sword swallowing a, a foot-long submarine sandwich after Marquette <laughs> losses. And you could tell that that wasn't going to end well if he didn't. And he went, became an assistant with the Bucks, went to Ball State, and uh, and became the funny guy who never wore a necktie again, and and uh, didn't sweat that stuff. And it was uh, became hugely successful. I, love, I mean, he still never learned to do up his shoes. On his own. <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> sandals. I love one of our former uh, producers, Ryan Michael Molinari. He was Majerus's producer when Majerus did a bunch of stuff for ESPN. And one of his responsibilities, no matter where they went was to find a pool, to secure a pool for Rick Majerus because that was his exercise. He'd I think he laps. would put on his Speedo he <laughs> would, and, swim laps. and go swim laps in yes. whatever hotel. So um, our producers have it easy because not only not only do they don't have to secure a pool, they never have to see any of us. Right. Does that, is that kind of like, uh, should that be a springboard for us to come up with unusual requests? Like, yeah. you know, like Rick, Rick Majerus did this. Yeah, we need a rider that's like, you know. One more dramatic thing. Just dark chocolate covered almonds, please. That's something like yeah. Didn't Holly get like a basket of chocolates to her room or something? That's only because the hotel messed up today. But oh, okay. I have one last Rick Majerus I, I thing. So your writer. you you <laughs> were on a photo shoot with Kate Upton, so I think you missed the funeral. Yeah. But I did go to Rick Majerus's funeral because I thought he had helped me a lot in my career, sure. and I wanted to honor him. But it was really precious because um, they didn't carry him down the aisle because he was a very large man. But they rolled his coffin down the aisle. All of his teams from Ball State, from Marquette, from St. Louis, from the University of Utah, they all walked behind his coffin. And it was this beautiful honor of all these kids' lives that he had touched. So I was very grateful to be able to at least honor him in that final moment at the Marquette Chapel on campus. Yeah, he passed away when I was 
in Antarctica with no internet access. So I didn't find out until a couple of weeks later when I was home. And you know, when you're on vacation or something, you're incommunicado, you miss all of the news that happens in those couple of weeks. And you find out, I heard a reference in January, I think of that year to the late Rick Majerus. And I said, what? The late Rick Majerus? But I was I was incommunicado when that happened. I Can think I, he buried the lead though, right? What's, oh, well, Kate Upton was on the yeah, trip. Yeah, he wasn't just on a trip in Antarctica. He was with Kate Upton. Profiling Kate Upton for Sports Illustrated yeah. Swimsuit, which is awesome. I would like to sub in for you one day on that job, Steve. Well, it's, a, it's, uh, if they go to Antarctica a second time with Kate Upton, I'm sure they'll, they'll ask you. Yeah, I think they will. They would be right to. But I want to add, you just brought up like, not being in community. Can I derail your show for a second? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, has but, this been on any rails? Yeah. <laughs> I, so you guys I always look at as great parents. I know your, your, your children, at least peripherally, I know, because they come to events and then they're all – they're all like very pleasant, positive attitude, well-behaved kids with with still like very unique and dynamic personalities. And so I'm like, okay, you have figured out a way how to do this in a technological era, in a social media era. And I'm wondering, like, do you ever like are there because someday I want to have kids. Right. And I'm like, that scares me. How do you like how do you limit the access to whatever it is let's just use the most general thing a cell phone like how, how do you guys go are there periods of time where you have like where nobody's on their phone i was like, saying ryan you can have ours today yeah it's a perfect <laughs> our um sorry our oldest daughter is going to be a freshman in high school starting very soon but she, none of our kids had cell phones she got a cell phone as an eighth grade graduation present so that was her first time with a cell phone first time allowing allowed to be use social media so um and she has one instagram account that she you know, post pictures with her friends, and, yeah. and she follows Holly Rowe. But uh, a good follow, a but, worthy follow. But our kids, they still have devices, even if they're not on social media, that they use to watch whatever Disney shows they're watching or that sort of thing. But it's uh, it's going to be. We are learning now. We are going to be learning how to navigate this new world with our oldest daughter. With and a cell we phone, certainly basically. don't have any better answers than anybody else. But our seven year old was playing on a device yesterday when you were out of town or the day before. And uh, she was giving me some smart aleck response to something because they get in this mindset of just they're they're completely magnetized by the thing. And I went over and I ripped it out of her hand and said, you'll get this back when I when I tell you, you get it back. And uh, the next day I forgot that I'd done that the next day. Yesterday, she said, can I uh, can I play such and such on on the iTouch? And I said, sure. And she said, well. Where is it? And I had forgotten what I had done with it. It turned out it was in a bowl above your desk where I had put it. Of course, it, and it was because that's a bowl is the likely spot for but, that. But the thing is that they they want they need it. They need you to physically rip it out of their hand at some point. And they're kind of relieved, like, gosh, you know, I couldn't break the spell, and, and now you've and, done it. And I won't oh. think about it again for twenty four hours. That, that that explains why yesterday she kept asking me to play different board games, and so we did. We ended up playing board games because she wasn't uh, doing On this. And this is right before I washed her hair because um, as I was washing, well first I was trying to brush her hair. She has kind of long hair and it had a lot of snarls in it. And I said, uh, you know, did did daddy brush your hair while I was gone? She said, no, he just puts it in a ponytail, but he doesn't brush it. And I said, okay, that explains that. And then so later in the night, uh, I washed it um, and conditioned it and everything. I said, um, when's the last time you had your hair washed? And she said, when's the last time you were home? It was like <laughs> five days prior to that. Well, Steve so does, this in is, his defense, Steve this, doesn't have hair. So that might not be top of mind, Absolutely. literally. Yeah, that, that's true. But you, I'm that was, sure the woman, Ryan, that you end up having children with. I, I, no, forget that. I'm sure you will know how to brush. If brush you have any hair. daughter, brush their hair. We'll teach you how to do a ponytail because that's not as easy as it sounds. Okay. Um, I will say one thing, though. So you, you'll learn this as you move along. My son's 23, so I've already been through this phase. 
taking away the phone is the number one discipline tool is my son got to a point where it didn't he didn't care if he couldn't watch tv he didn't care if i grounded him he didn't care but but i could get to him and change his behavior if i took his phone so there's power and, in the phone and until you do have children ryan you can practice that by just walking up an airplane island ripping the phone out of some businessman's hand and yeah. saying, i'm doing this for your own good yes. you're now uh, in timeout sometimes I th- I, like my friends and i talked about um this year because we're all pretty conscious of this especially in a setting like we're out to dinner or whatever we'll do stuff where we put our phones like totally away and the first person who looks at it has to then pay and stuff like that but we were talking about doing a vacation like a totally unplugged vacation where like once a day when you're in the room you check your emails respond to people check in with your loved ones whoever you need to but other than that you don't you don't take the phones on the excursions you don't take it on the boat like none of it did you do that or you're going to do that that's what we wanted to do we're pretty good about like not being distracted by it anyway when we're on a trip because we all would rather be entertained by our collective conversation but like we were just thinking about like not even having it on us, you know, well, at all. The way they get you is by having the camera on the phone. So you That's say it. you do that on the vacation, but I still, I'm still going to bring the, the phone onto the beach so that I can take pictures of the kids on the beach. And by the way, I'm going to check uh, and my nine. And then it's there. Right, exactly. That's why, and that's why it's like you want to just have like a good camera with you exactly. instead. And then you can just rock that. Well, I went on, one of the trips I went on, we had one of our friends as a photographer and so that was amazing because he just like he took these incredible photos the whole time and you didn't even have to so i have my phone for a lot of it in the safe because i was like i don't need to bring it with me he's he's going to take the pictures but otherwise that is why you bring it for the photos well it's interesting even like viewing things through the lens of the camera but also just viewing things and 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 i'm going to bring this back to, to holly because i think it's one of the things that makes you so good at your job the last game of the regular season, we're in Minnesota. Practice has just ended. Shoot-around has ended. And, and I'm talking to somebody or taking notes or doing something. And Holly at some point says, look across the court. And we look across the court. She said, uh, Cheryl Reeve has been talking to Temi Fagbenali. Say her name because I'm... Fagbenley. Fagbenley. Sorry, of course yeah. I know that's her name. And she's been talking to her for the past 40 minutes or whatever it was. Like even when we're in situations like that, um, and I think I'm noticing everything, I'm not noticing everything. Holly Rowe <laughs> I did judge you everything. once. So when you are at Minnesota... For 10 years that we've been going to Minnesota doing games, there is this little old couple that sits to the right of you and literally two seats away from you. And the woman gets the man in. He's on a walker. It's really hard for him to get him in. She sits him down. She takes out a comb and combs his hair and combs his beard. This is all happening literally five feet away from you. And it's every single game. And it's this ritual. And you've never noticed it. And I I will check during the games. I'm like, oh, is my little couple here? And I look across and there they are. And they were not at the last game and I missed them. So I think I do. It's because I'm nosy, but. I would like you to be a little more observant. Just, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a cute scene. But it's remarkable. And, and and I was doing a game locally for the Connecticut Sun. It was actually their, one of their final games against Minnesota. Holly was there just watching because she wanted to see Lindsay Whalen's last game in Connecticut. And I'm getting texts from her during the game. She's giving me an injury report on Cheney. <laughs> well, why isn't Cheney playing? Oh, I just found out this is what's going on, this X, Y, Z. And I texted you back. I said, are you... Doing sideline reports, even though you're not working this game, you're just in. Basically, yes. yes. If I could turn my brain off, I would. It's almost a problem sometimes, though. Like, just just sit somewhere and enjoy it and don't be like, what's happening? 
By the way, this is my chair. I, I Can say, you hear it's, this it's sound? My chair too. I've been frozen in, in place for the last 35 minutes because we're sitting around four leather chairs in this ridiculous Mine hotel is suite. squeaking like a fart. It I'm sounds sorry. like epic flatulence <laughs> yes. going around the table, so I'm just trying to, but I assure listeners that it's not. It's these, these leather chairs. <laughs> I so, love the name. That should be a band name. Epic, epic flatulence. Yes, with an umlaut over the eye in epic. So, um, but I think we can all just move freely now. And, and now, that now the audience. Now that the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. You know, yes. My sweatpants are kind of like swerving nice. On this yeah, Brian's, Brian's leather sweats on the leather chair. Well, yeah. really I'm squeaking badly, and I'm like, That's it. I wonder if they think something's happening over here. Yeah. Well, I know you guys have to get ready for, for tonight's game, so I just want to bring it back to the WNBA one more time. And, you know, we're approaching the stretch run of the season, couple weeks left. Kind of what are you looking forward to seeing? What are the players and the stories that you feel like everybody needs to know? What I love is I think anybody can win. You know, I mean, to me, yeah. that the last couple of years – the finals have been epic, absolutely epic and incredible. But, and in the you know rounds preceding, we almost thought of them as a a fait accompli because yeah. we knew eventually Minnesota and LA would meet. You know, and this year I legitimately think it could be any combination of these six teams remaining. Any of them could end up in the finals, and I love that. And I think it it's going to elevate the intensity of each game i think it because sometimes you know if you're a team that knows we, we can't be this team three out of five it, it can take away just some of the juice when you don't have that sort of long-term hope i think it's going to be incredible and so then it really is like hey diana tarasi has to be at her best brianna stewart has to be at her best you know whoever tiffany hayes in atlanta whoever, any of these teams and i love that like i i think that's going to be so entertaining and it's another example of the growth of the game and and why there's been a lot of attention this year. It kind of feels like an inflection point for the for the league to me. And a lot from the NBA as well. Like you see yeah. LeBron tweeting and Russell Westbrook and Rondo were at the last Sparks Lynx game, and you see a lot of that game-recognizing game kind of thing. Yeah, it was really great. After that game, Russell Westbrook, Rajon Rondo were courtside, and someone in the press conference, Lindsey Whalen's retiring, and someone in the press conference says, you know, what does that mean that Russell Westbrook and Rajon Rondo are here? You know, like basically these men are validating you. And she said – we're really good at what we do. They know that because they're also really good at what they do. Mm. And I was like, it was never more simply put and really great answer by her of they appreciate us because they know how hard this is. Right. They know basketball. Like those guys know basketball. There's a reason they watch it and enjoy it and come courtside to see it because it's good. Mm -hmm. And they're hyping your broadcast. LeBron, I think, is like, Tweeting. Minnesota, LA, LA, exclamation mark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. I know. That was yeah. nice. Right, very nice. Keep doing it, King James. Um, I would like to say that I think we're missing a couple of big stories. Is we have, We're now in our second game in the playoffs, and nobody's talking about Atlanta. They're the number two seed. They are the most improved team in the league. I think Nikki Collin is a runaway WNBA coach of the year, and none of us are really talking about them. They're not getting the attention. So I think Atlanta is kind of sitting in the weeds like, all right. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. I think Washington is a team with special chemistry this year. I think Candace Parker, when she feels well, is still the best player in the world. I think Brianna Stewart is on a mission. She won four straight national championships in college, and she's been losing in the WNBA, and she's had enough. She doesn't like it, and she has transcended, has changed her body, has changed her routine. Playing the best she ever has will probably be the MVP. And then you've got Connecticut trying to make that next step, and all you've got is the GOAT, Diana Taurasi, who does nothing but win in big moments, standing in their way. So to me, it's an epic storybook just waiting to 
the next chapter to, chapter to be written. And everybody can watch all these chapters on ESPN2. We have one game at some point in the playoffs that's on ESPN I think it's News. game three of the semifinals on August 31st is but on ESPN Sunday, News. Because the next ESPN time two. people could watch us after they listen we'll to this podcast Sunday. will be Sunday. Doubleheader. Doubleheader. Huge day Sunday for the WNBA. Is it three Eastern and five Eastern? I believe that's what it is. But yeah. they, we will all be tweeting about it. Ryan, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Ryan Rucco, R-Y-A-N-R-U-O-C. Holly is at Sports Siren. I'm Rebecca Lobo. Steve probably Ruchin. won't be tweeting about it, but Steve Ruchin. <laughs> you should mention the R2C2 podcast yes, that Ryan please. does with CC oh, Sabathia. Yes, you every Thursday. Yeah, R2C2. we've been releasing every, every Thursday. We kept it going during the season, which could be a little challenging. But but we know who the R2 is, Ryan Rucco. Yeah, and the C2 is CC Sabathia. Um, That's a great name, too. Who came up with that? You know, my dad. That's great. Like uh, Honestly, CC and I were on a chat trying to come up with a podcast name. And I threw it out to some of my friends and my family and throwing out a bunch of different names. And then my dad said R2C2. And I was like, oh, I like that. But I had wanted CeCe's name to be first, you know, because he is the he's the star. And but you I, love Star Wars. But I and, and right a, and he does too. And it's so a great mug. It's a great coffee mug. Right? Come on now. You Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You got the R2C2 mug. But it, it you know. We are both huge Star Wars fans, and so as soon as I sent to show you how self selfless Cece is, as soon as I sent it to him, he's like, "That's it, cuz done. That's the one." And I was like, "Yeah, but really, your name should be first. He said, "No, you know, f that. This is what it should be. That's the name, man. That's it. That's the name." So that's how we came up that's with great. it. We love it, man. He. What's great about Cece is he's so comfortable at this stage of his life and his career, and also having, and he'll say this, having been through rehab, overcoming being an alcoholic that like it taught him to be just totally comfortable and so that's who he is on the podcast like he's just like completely unchained and 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 totally uninhibited in his uh, in his thoughts and words and Holly your regular appearance other than on our Holly Row minute is on the 7 innings podcast 7 innings podcast and then i also have college football coming up so on September 2nd on ABC primetime you can see LSU Miami college football kickoff for me that's Steve. when we have to share, Holly. I'll be, yeah. I'll be microwaving White Castles if anybody needs me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and completing his book. Until, right? until yes, that's right. Is until that public? There's really little to talk about until I've actually finished it and sent it in because it takes a year for them to publish a book. And I hate to uh, you know, jinx it by saying it's finished, it's not finished. So until it's finished, I always feel a little weird talking about it. But, uh, but until, the, until the WNBA finals are over, I will be uh, holding down the fort for... Rebecca Lobo. For, for the family. Yeah. And we appreciate you. Thank you yes. for helping well, our you know, colleague. Well, uh, I'm quite a good guy, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Tom, Dick, and Harry, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity. To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain 
It's hard to ride here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to ride here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to ride here on Happiness Lane.